The reading is taken from Nehemiah, chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Halakai, in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year. While I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers, Hanai, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there in the province who escaped the captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are under the further skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place at which I have chosen to establish my name. They are your servants and your people, who you redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in reviving your name. Give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. At the time, I was cupbearer to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Why don't I pray as we start to open up this passage? Father God, thank you that you are good, you are faithful, and you are the Lord of heaven and earth. I pray you would give us ears to hear what you are speaking to us this morning. Amen. 
So is anyone else quietly despairing that it's already September? I mean, where has the summer gone? The evenings are drawing in, and I'm not quite emotionally prepared for that. I don't know about you. You might be wondering what all this mess is around me. I'd love to say it's because the staff team were engaging in some soft play before the service, but that wouldn't be true. But I just wanted to give you that image. <laughs> um, I wanted, well, this morning I built a tower. I was really proud of my tower. And for some of the smartest people in this room, you've already guessed where I'm going with this. But I built my tower, and then who comes and knocks it down but Jonathan? Uh, and that's made me quite sad. So that's why all this mess is here. It's because my tower was rudely destroyed. This morning, I want to look at the story of Nehemiah, who we just heard the introductory chapter to. And I want to see how that story can be used as a picture for us today. So Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king, which meant he had to test all the king's food and drink to make sure no one was trying to kill the king. It was quite an important job. I definitely wouldn't have wanted it. But then one day, he found out that his homeland, Jerusalem, it was in a really bad state. Its walls had been destroyed, and it was vulnerable, and it was open to attack. And the people who were returning from exile, they lay defenseless and, yet yeah, vulnerable. There was a lot of sadness and discouragement, and people felt hopeless about the situation. And things were a bit of a mess, just like around me. I wonder if, actually, we can really relate to that. We can look around ourselves, maybe at our world, at our country, at our personal lives, and feel a little bit discouraged, and a little bit sad, and a little bit hopeless, like things have been swept out from under our feet. And maybe this new term, maybe you're starting school tomorrow, or maybe you're going back to the office, or maybe you're just not quite ready, like me, for it to be September yet. I think there's an unknownness to the next season, and it's scary. But I want to look at a picture of rebuilding. So the story of Nehemiah is all about how they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And maybe as I'm speaking, you could be thinking about what needs rebuilding in your lives. So there's four things that I think we can learn uh, this morning from Nehemiah. And the first one is that we all have a place. I'm glad I picked up the right block there. That could have been embarrassing. Um, but we all have a context where we live and exist. We have friends, we have family, we have our school classes, we have our offices, we have our favorite coffee shop where they know our order. Maybe that's just me. Um, but you don't know how much of an impact you yourself can make in your context. And we need to be real and recognize what those things actually are. So Nehemiah, I said he was cupbearer to the king, which meant he had a really close relationship with him. And it was this relationship that allowed the following conversation to happen. So this is chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And it was actually as a result of this conversation that the king allowed Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem. 
So like I said, we have no idea the impact we can have by being real in our context, by recognizing our uniqueness in them. And I think the first step in rebuilding things, in rebuilding hope, is actually recognizing the places where God has put each and every one of us. And some of those places are going to be independent to you. It's really important that we are hope bringers in those arenas. And no matter where that is, we might feel like it's really insignificant. You might work in a sector which is never recognized from the front of church. And if you do, thank you, because your work is valuable and important. Or you might think nobody sees this, I don't know, tenth load of washing I'm doing. Or nobody sees me scrubbing this bathroom floor or getting up with my children again in the night. Or nobody sees me taking care of my elderly relatives. But God sees. And he wants us to be real about the places we are and bring hope in those areas. So the first thing is we all have a place. The second thing is that prayer matters. Prayer. I uh, didn't quite think about the logistics of holding a Bible whilst talking. But in the passage we had read, we see Nehemiah crying out to God in what is actually a really beautiful and profound prayer, I think. Chapters 1, verses 4 to 5. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandment. This isn't someone covering up how they feel. It's not someone pretending. This is someone being real about his pain, real about his sadness, real about how overwhelmed he feels. And he's letting it out before God. And actually, whatever we're feeling or thinking this morning, God already knows our hearts. So why don't we bring that reality before him in prayer? We don't have to put on a prayer face. We don't have to use special words. We can be honest and open with God. Prayer is about talking to God, obviously, but it's also about listening to him. And I think when we're talking about planning things or rebuilding things, it's very easy to get carried away with the desires of our hearts and plan things and then ask God to bless them prematurely. It's much harder to sit down with God in the rubble, in the mess, in the hopelessness, and ask what his will is. And I think it's a lot scarier too. But we need to remember that we're praying to the Lord of heaven and earth, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love, who keeps his promises. And we can trust that his plans are better than ours. So we need to pray going forward. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our schools. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for the world. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to pray for our families, for our workplaces. There is a lot that needs to be rebuilt. And a lot of people are tired and overwhelmed. So we need to keep reminding ourselves who we are praying to, who we are trusting. 
So the third thing, we've got our place and we've got our prayer. And the third thing I think really comes out of those two, and that is that we need to plan. I think the world is roughly divided into two sorts of people. Those who look at every picture and read every word of an IKEA instruction manual, and those who just start hammering random bits of wood together. And I think that we often find ourselves building furniture with the opposite sort of person, and it can, it can be very frustrating. <laughs> But all of us, all of us face situations in our life where we need to plan. Just like Andy with his backpack, when we're going away somewhere or we're going to school, maybe you'll put your things in before so you don't forget your PE kit or your pencil case or whatever it is. Or we plan to get our appointments done, we plan our meals for the week if you're very organized. Wish I was that organized. But all of us know that planning is important. And I think if we take prayer seriously, if we bring our hearts and minds before God, then he will help shape us and guide us in our planning. I was talking to a friend about guidance once, and he shared about a couple who he'd asked to help him move some tables for a kids' club. And they had said um, that they needed to prayerfully consider this before agreeing to help. There may be legitimate reasons there, I'm not going to comment, but sometimes we can use waiting on the Lord as an excuse for inactivity, or we can use it as a reason not to do something. But actually, God has already told us the things we need to do. We need to love him, and we need to love our neighbor, and then he will help direct us in what those actually look like. Nehemiah had a plan, and he had a plan to rebuild. He, um, he asked the king, when he asked the king, in chapters 2, verses 6 to 8, that sort of outlined this. He says, Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asfa, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. Nehemiah had a plan, and as the story goes on, it's a wonderful book if you haven't read it. I really encourage you to, to dive in. I know Jonathan's going to be speaking about it in the um, evening services coming up. But we see how Nehemiah dealt with the people who opposed him and how he, as a leader, managed that. And I think that wasn't due to the fact that he had a plan. We need to plan as we move forward. We need to be wise. We need to be kind. We need to be discerning, and we need to keep on reading the instruction manual that is far better than Ikea's. It might be cheesy to say, but it's true. This is God's instruction to us. So the last thing I think that we learn about from Nehemiah, about rebuilding, is purpose. Yes. He had a goal. He had an aim a passion. Chapters 2, verse 17 said, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
It was Nehemiah's love for his people and for his homeland, who, like I said, without their walls, they were open to people attacking them. It was that which motivated him, which gave him a purpose. Even when he faced that opposition, even when he faced that mocking, even when he faced that gloating, it was that which kept him going, kept on doing the thing that he felt God had called him to do. I don't know why Ikea was so on my mind when I was building this, um, writing this talk, but at the front of their um, instruction booklets, they have a picture. And that is what, we need to have a picture of what we're aiming for to help guide us and direct us. A lot about our lives has changed in the last 18 months. And I think for me personally, and probably for lots of you, it's been a time of asking questions and evaluating things and thinking about why we do the things we do. So as the dust settles and you know, we move into maybe a new season, let me ask you this question. What do you think the purpose of the church is? And what do you think that your role within that is? And these are important questions to chew over, I think. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, we read these verses. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the wonderful truth that the Bible tells us. If we're believers, we have been chosen by God with a beautiful purpose. We are being built into his temple, his dwelling place. We are a people who have received mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And he is our cornerstone. He is our centerpiece. In any talk of rebuilding or in hope bringing, Jesus is center. So let's take seriously the places that we find ourselves in. Let's pray to God openly and honestly and listen to him. And from this, let us plan. And let our, our purpose be to be this holy priesthood with Jesus Christ at the center, a hope to the nation. Maybe t today over lunch, you might want to talk about some of the stuff that I've been saying this morning. Maybe you want to think about the areas that you can rebuild in, that you can be a hope bringer in, that you can make Jesus Christ known. Yeah, just maybe think about that through this week. We have a place, we need to pray, we need to plan from that, and we need to have Jesus as our purpose. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a wonderful song all about how God is building his kingdom. So Father God, thank you that you are building us into your temple. Thank you that you are so good to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. I pray as we look to the next term, the next season, would you be the one guiding us? And may we be brave enough to sit in the rubble and ask what your will is, rather than just imposing our will. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Amen.